Hey guys, thanks for listening to Canadian Cannabis Update. We're a Canadian-based podcast that gives leaders and organizations an opportunity to tell their stories and share information. All right, before we start today, a quick shout out to our sponsors. Firstly, Harvest Medicine. Harvest Medicine is a patient-centric clinic. They offer free medical assessments for people like you looking to explore how medical cannabis can help improve your life. To learn more and to book your free consultation with Harvest Medicine, go to their website, hmed.ca. Again, that's hmed.ca. Thanks to Harvest Medicine. And we're also sponsored by GrowTech Labs. They bring together a new generation of diverse cannabis sector innovators from across Canada and around the globe. GrowTech Labs is located in Vancouver, and what they do is help entrepreneurs to develop market-leading products for the recreational and medical cannabis industries by combining access to financing and with delivery of world-class programs rooted in innovation, entrepreneurship, and mentorship. GrowTech Labs plans to expand BC's influence as a global cannabis capital. And finally, if you would like to sponsor this podcast, Canadian Cannabis Update, reach out to me directly at CannabisUpdate.ca and I will send you a media kit. If you're a consumer of cannabis, legal or otherwise, you probably already know that just saying that you prefer an indica or a sativa strain doesn't hold a lot of water these days and the marketplace is realizing that you don't always get what you think you're getting. Introducing Blockstrain. Now, Blockstrain is a company that analyzes plants on a molecular level, ensuring consumers that the product that they're after is in fact the product that they're getting. Robert Galarza, CEO of Blockstrain, talks about his company and why the Blockstrain verification system may be exactly what this industry needs. I hope you enjoy. Today, uh, we are joined by Robert Galarza. He is the CEO of a company called Blockstrain. Welcome, Robert. Hey, good morning, Michael. Thanks for having me. No sweat. Okay, let's set the table here a little bit. Um, who are you outside of your professional life? Tell us something about yourself that you're passionate about that has nothing to do with work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I obviously appreciate that. And normally you get, you get kind of questions across the board, but it, uh, I guess, I guess in a nutshell, I, I, grew, I grew up in, in Southern California. Um, my family was kind of around the, the film business when I was a kid and I actually worked in it for a while, uh, when I was in my twenties and then actually my early thirties produced a couple movies and, and film festivals. So I was kind of a big movie guy for a long time. Uh, I not a big fan of being behind the camera or any of that stuff, like, you know, being like, or in front of the camera in terms of like bacon movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, by, by like going, going to the, going to the cinema, I still love going to the movie theater, uh, uh, grabbing popcorn and all the other bells and whistles. It's definitely probably one of my one of my little, uh, I, you could say, guilty pleasures. <laughs> definitely unique, definitely cool. Okay, so um, tell us what your professional background is up until now, and then we'll jump into what exactly block strain is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and part of, I mean, I, I love these kind of questions because there's always a, the life before cannabis, right? Mm-hmm. It's good to be seen uh, in, in our own world. And I, again, I grew up, I grew up a kind of a diverse family um, down in Southern California. My dad was a pilot uh, based in Orange County. Uh, my mom was actually a ballet uh, producer and, and choreographer and artist. Uh, and they were always split up. I, was, I spent kind of half the year with my mom, half the year with my dad. Um, and so kind of grew up around the California area. And then we ended up moving to Austin, Texas when I was uh, in high school. And I ended up staying out in Austin for college and uh, ended up going to law school in my late 20s. But my first career was actually in, in advertising. Uh, I was in, I came out of school, Madison Avenue, and I'd driven, uh, worked in the big ad business, uh, and then worked 
worked in like major media. Um, and it was interesting though, because like, you know, it was like, it were, you know, I graduated college in 2000. So we were, I was around when the dot com boom was happening. Mm -hmm. And then the digital age was kind of beginning. Like we were kind of coming out of that uh, first kind of set of emails, uh, you know, and, and Napster and that whole thing, which kind of was changing the face of, of marketing and communications and media. And, and yet every organization was a part of, right? In advertising, we were still, you know, kind of selling, you know, banner and outdoor and radio and traditional, you know, ad buys and all this stuff. And then, and then I worked for a media company that was predominantly still set in print. So a lot of like dinosaur principles. And what I saw was technologies consistently flying by us at like record speed. Yeah. So I, I shifted gears. Uh, we moved away from marketing communications and I ended up, you know, mid twenties at that time in my life, I was like, you know, I, I want to go in a different direction. I want a better set of tools to be uh, an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And to be professional. And so law was, you know, you, there's some people going in the MBA direction, but I just saw the guys that were negotiating the deals on everything we were doing were always the lawyers, right? But these, these guys that were in the room, they always seemed to have a better understanding of the rules of a game uh, than everybody else. So I, I went into law school um, in my mid twenties. Uh, I, I the late twenties, uh, jumped in probably about five or six years older than everybody else. And it was, it was perfect timing though. Cause at the time I was, I was really just focused on, on gaining the education. And so I ended up doing very well, uh, kind of graduated top of my class. And, um, and of course out of that, you kind of stem into, okay, now you're going to be a lawyer. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, and again, I kind of never really in that mindset, I always wanted to be a, an entrepreneur and a business person, but you know, you'd, you'd go down the rabbit hole of, of law for a few years. It was always transactional guys, so negotiations, M and A's and stuff. And then I couldn't do the law firm. Honestly, I, I, <laughs> I was like two years in and I, I, I was like, I can't build these hours. This is not for me. So I broke away. I kept my law degree, but I, I, I moved into kind of the entertainment sector. Okay. Uh, so I did negotiations on movie deals and I worked for athletes and uh, professional athletes and UFC guys and, and former WWE superstars, which is a whole nother, that's wow. a whole nother podcast from all the day. Um, really amazing experience with great guys. Um, and it, but again, I kept seeing even in the entertainment industry, long form content was going away, right? Mm. This, 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 ideation that you could um, not evolve with the changing times uh, as a business was something that I really took you know, I took to heart because I'd seen it two other times in my young career, in my early 20s. So I basically made a very hard and fast decision about six years ago. And I was like, you know what? No, I'm, 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 I'm breaking away from all this and I'm going to go into the, uh, the uh, technology space. And so technology was really where, where I was focusing my attention. Um, this was back in like 2013, 2014. Um, really, really jumped heavily into mobile platform development, mobile video development, things like that. And then I ended up meeting my business partner, uh, uh, Tommy, and Tommy's background was tech. He was a foremost, you know, kind of technologist out of Seattle, built uh, incredible systems for Microsoft, Mercedes-Benz and YouTube, and you just name it across oh, wow. the board. And so, and we were both originally from where we grew up off. We actually grew up about 45 minutes from each other. We didn't okay. even know each other as kids, but we grew up just down the road from one another. So we hit it off. We were like, man, we saw it. I we're like, we gotta, we gotta build stuff together. Like this is, this is a match made in heaven. And so, um, the two areas we were really focused on was, uh, fantasy gaming space, which is another little kind of fine, fun side area that we're, we're passionate about. Cool. Uh, you know, I, I didn't mention that. Um, and then cannabis, um, we were in California and the, the boom was starting to happen. Uh, Tommy at the time was, 
you know, doing some development work with like, you know, building systems for lighting companies and kind of intelligent hardware. Uh, and then he actually was the CTO for, for WeMaps. Oh, really? uh, and so we, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we uh, had the opportunity to really like get pretty in depth with what was going on in California in like the 2012, 2013, 2014 time uh-huh. frame. And I was um, at the time, you know, it's funny cause like um, the medical market wasn't, and, and again, it's, 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 none of this is, is as sophisticated as you think it would be. Right. It's kind of like, it's always been a consistently changing space, but you know, California was just like, you know, everything was brand names and flashy and celebrity and, you know, it's California. Right. So yeah. we, it was great. Uh, you know, we, 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 we loved it. We definitely love the, you know, grew up down there. So it's we definitely love the weather and miss this home at times. But I, I honestly, I, I had friends up here in, in British Columbia that I come up and visit from time to time. And mm-hmm. I really was getting introduced to some players up here. And I just saw, a, you know, system being implemented. Right. And then that was with the lawyer brain kicked back in. And I was like, man, these guys, like they have a full system in place, like the MMAR, the ACMPR. What I realized was you've got, you know, the federal government actually taking and looking to implement real uh, protocol and procedures. I was like, I told Tommy, I was like, man, you know, we have developed this ideation of being able to interconnect systems. So the big problem we saw in California, we'll get into this a little bit from like an industry perspective was, yeah. um, it was really like disparate tech, right? So yeah, that's what brought us to, to Canada was like, man, this, this is, this is the, the future. And then, and then this was, this was in 2015. So before Trudeau, you know, announced legalization before the boom, before the public markets and, yeah. you know, and then we've been all been on this roller coaster since then, which has been wild. Well, they call BC the Florida of Canada. So you're in a good place anyway. Now talk to me like I'm a four-year-old. Uh, explain to me what exactly is block strain. Yeah, so in its simplest term, um, it is we take all testing associated to the product, right? So all testing, we lock it onto a uh, protected immutable ledger and we track it through all of the supply chain ecosystems so that basically we're empowering all the lab results and all the testing results of that particular product and creating visibility for the consumers. Um, and this includes, you know, the, the microbial pesticide testings that we, we normally discuss, but we've also focused in the area of genetics um, and specifically the DNA of the strain themselves, uh, really, so we can know that not only is it, not, not only does this chemical makeup of this plant, uh, of the plant I'm buying match up to what I'm supposed to be getting, but the genetics are as well. We believe is very important for product integrity. Can I ask you, um, what gave you the idea to start this company and to do this sort of work? Does it happen in other uh, areas as well? You know, it's we haven't really seen it uh, evolve. I mean, genetics and genomics are, are a pre- relatively advancing field of science, and we're definitely not the science side of it. Okay. Really what it boiled down to is when we were doing uh, work down in California and when Tommy was working uh, with the, the folks at WeBabs, the challenge with being able to kind of find your cannabis, which is the, the concepts that they were implementing, is, you know, great. You can find the dispensary you find the location, but what about the inventory? And then even if you link into a point of sale system inside the, in the, the dispensary, you know, you know what inventory is on the shelf. If that inventory is not actually what it matches up to be, you're expecting to walk in and buy, you know, Blue Dream. And they, that Blue Dream, you know, there's a joke in California, there is no such thing as Blue Dream anymore because it was counterfeited so many times that there, nobody knows what the original looks like. So they say that and on a lot of streams. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's really the big problem, right? It's like, it's like we... We knew that in order for this industry scale, in order for us to bring on what you classify as the less sophisticated users, which we believe is is the most of the most of the major modern market, uh-huh. you needed to be able to at least have some identification system. So really, it was kind of born out of necessity to be able to build 
smarter systems. You can't, you know, one of the problems we kept running into was we wanted to build a, an inter- a smart hub, and we we did. We before we actually started Blockstream, our first company was uh, called Spark Digital, and it was uh, basically a smart hub solution that would interconnect all other systems. So you could, you know, your your point of sale and your ERPs, and it was like a it was basically a really smart, sophisticated base data layer. Okay, it, it was kind of like a brain, right? It's kind of like a like a smart hub brain that would talk allow everything else to run more efficiently. And the problem was, is that we started building that and we started building all the, the tools off that that we wanted to complement the industry. We kept running into the same problem, right? Everything is based on data. Well, if the data, the very front end data, which is the identity of the product is flawed, then all the other systems you're building, right? The tracking systems, managing systems, the inventory systems, the directory systems, everything is flawed off bad information. So we were like, okay, let's focus on the very front end of information, which was uh, testing and genetics, and then we can then use that data to be able to help other systems run more efficiently and build better systems. And then, you know, and, and then honestly, like, you know, the, the blockchain side of this really came from a, the ability to say, hey, man, we can we can now lock this into a, a protected record in areas where integrity is an issue, right? So in, te- in cannabis testing, yeah. data is an issue, you know, quality products an issue, supply chain is an issue. So we, that's why we started, you know, the blockchain side of uh, the tech. So would you enable companies, let's use Aurora Cannabis as an example. Let's say that Aurora Cannabis had uh, their own uh, blue dream that they were manufacturing and putting out into market. Would you be able to uh, analyze their blue dream on a molecular level, catalog it, put it in a database, and then ensure that the final product uh, going into the consumer's hand is exactly Aurora Cannabis's blue dream? Is that kind of the idea? Yeah, yeah. Like assume, assume for, for, for a moment. Now, obviously, we have to make a few assumptions along the way on the test from the testing protocol perspective, right? Okay. Each point along the way, the testing is being done accurately, right? Which is a bit of an area that we're trying to focus to make that visibility better. Okay. Uh, it's kind of been a bit of a black eye in the industry recently, at least down in California. So if you're, if you're Aurora and you make this incredibly you know, quality product, the first thing we do is we go to the mothers that are being, you know, you're propagating off of a mother plant, mothers mm-hmm. and then propagating clones that then are then being yielded the flower and then you know, potentially extracts. We master record the genetics on the front end from, from the mother perspective. Um, so say, okay, here's the master whole genome sequence, which basically means it's the entire genetic record of the, of the mother, right? Okay. And then off of that, we, we then validate. So now as the testing is getting done, right? So we've got, you know, chemistry testing, microbial testing, pesticides, it's done being done in every batch. We take all that testing data, link it into, you know, we're pulling from their seed to sale system, whichever ERP they're using. Right. We link it to that product ID and that batch ID. So all the testing data is linked right there in real time. Now, on top of that, if they're also genetically verifying the batches back to the mother source, say, hey, look, we're going to do a rapid test. Doesn't, you know, the one that doesn't cost so much money because we've already have the master record. Mm-hmm. If we have the master record, doing a validation test on the master is not really that difficult. It's it's not that expensive. It's not that cumbersome. So every single time the batch goes through, we do a rapid test. So, okay, yes, this genetic record matches back. So just for being able to say, okay, not only do we know what the genotype of and the phenotype, we also know that you know, all the chemical makeup of it. So you have a full spectrum of what that product is from a QA perspective for the consumers. And the, the idea is, you know, and this is, uh, you know, we'll get into this when I talk about the product that we, we're launching you know, down in California, mm-hmm. um, you know, hopefully very soon, you know, as, as the laws are evolving down there. Um, you know, it's about giving real-time visibility of testing data to the customers just because there's been so many issues around in, the integrity, right? And you're, and you're getting, you know, the problem, like the, the old adage of cannabis, like no matter who you talk to, everybody's had a bad experience, right? Everybody's had that one time that they took that one thing that made yeah. them feel 
and they didn't want to feel right. And so we're trying to work around that to say, okay, if you've, you know, this type of blue dream that you bought from Aurora was exactly the kind of feeling you wanted to get, then you just want to make sure that every single time you go back and get it. Yeah. You can, you can get the same feeling. Um, would this also allow licensed producers to then, um, trademark and register their specific strains? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And, and the reason, you know, we use the blockchain side of this. So, so we're, but the blockchain fits in for us is, is locking the moment in time that these things are done, right? So okay. when you test a product, we lock it on the blockchain at that moment in time to validate the test data. Now with genetics, the genetic record associated to a cannabis strain is huge. It's a very large data file, right? So we're not going to put the, the actual data on the blockchain, but what we will do is say on this date, Aurora's Blue Dream, this is the genetic code that we have given to Aurora, yeah. right? We give the producer their genetic code and we link that moment in time that they've done that onto the record. We anchor it to the chain to be able to say, okay, here's immutability. Okay. Now, does that give you overall ownership of that strain over everybody else? With honestly, that's not, that's not really up for us to say, um, because we're not, we're not we're trying to right. be the PTO, the USPTO or the trademark office or the, Canada, the Canadian uh, pattern trademark office. What we're really trying to do is to say, look, this is the record of what I'm selling you. And then when you buy it, it, it is what it says at the end of the day. Um, now what's interesting is if you're a company like Aurora, that's doing a really incredibly innovative science right now, and you're looking to do really unique breeding programs as you're acquiring new companies and bringing on new genetics, as you're doing this, as you're creating innovation, that's where potentially our record could help support an application for some sort of like unique IP right. protocol, right? But we're just we're just part of the record, like we're not, so we don't serve as that that mechanism. But but you know, truth be told, anybody who's you know done a patent or a trademark. All those are also is just a recording system, right? I mean, even even the USPTO does not enforce patents or trademarks. You still have to enforce the patent or trademark on your side, right? So, really, patent laws kind of comes down to the biggest and most powerful companies rather than the ones that actually have the rights to uh, to have the IP, which is kind of, of unfortunate, course. but it's just the reality. So, a couple of years from now, if a, if a micro grower um, brings a, a Blue Dream product to market, hypothetically, another uh, licensed producer could say, "Hey, that's our." strain of Blue Dream. I guess it protects uh, producers if they're putting the research into it. At the same time, um, it'll hypothetically create a framework where uh, you have to actually come up with your own plant, your own strain, if you're going to bring it to market. That's not the, the intention, like you said, yeah. but that's also a possibility. Yeah, I, I think this goes back a little bit to like, the concept of why do we have patents and trademarks, right? right. Um, and this is just me putting my, little, my lawyer hat back on, but the, the, old, the old adage is like, okay, why we, why we have patents and trademarks is to protect innovation, right? So it allows inventors to be able to be, to feel like they can invent without having fear that their inventions will be stolen. What it's not meant to do is stifle innovation. So the problem with a, a broad stroke patent in, you know, cannabis uh, on a strain is you're, you're completely in, a, in, you know, creating impediments to innovation on how those strains can be bred and be, you know, further, uh, further propagated down the line. What we really want to be able to do is say, okay, if you are a micro cultivators, right? A microprocessor, or a craft guy, right? And that's really at the end of the day, you know, the in the Canadian market, 90 plus percent of the market prior to legalization was being produced and sold by the gray and even the black of course, market, right? Yeah. So, you know, our whole system is built to try to prevent diversity. 
conversion, right? Try to prevent black market from entering the market. But that doesn't mean craft guys. We, we want uh, guys that have been growing under the MMAR, under the LEAP, which is the previous laws in Canada, the guys that have been growing medicine for patients for all these years, to have a way to say, okay, I, these, these are genetics. I've been growing them up here in Nanaimo or up here in Duncan or up here in, you know, and now I'm just in BC, so I'm naming all the, the possible BC, but, you know, spots up in, you know, Ontario or Hamilton or wherever else. And I've created this incredible strain that is being used for patients, and I want to go do business with a licensed producer now to be able to, to cultivate and, and put it to market. But I also need to, to be sure that it's not going to be taken from me. Like now, of course. now I've got to go to business with a very large multinational, multi-billion-dollar corporation. That's a scary proposition for a you know for a guy who's been growing you know cannabis for the past you know twenty years or so. So it's really trying to get those up a path to be able to say, okay, so long as I am able to record my genetics, I know that if I if if I feel like they're being stolen down the, the, the road, I have an ability to be able to, to verify and check to see if those genetics yeah. are actually exist inside of a, a further line of products being created. Oh, good answer. Um, do you guys have any competition at the moment? Are there other companies in the cannabis space doing this kind of work? Yeah, I mean, uh, there are a number of companies that are that are looking to do genetics. Now, most of the time, the research that shows is when companies talk about genetics, they're, they're not really talking about recording and tracking genetics. They're just talking about, you know, trying to cultivate genetics or acquiring genetics, getting into buying seed banks, things like that. There are a few companies that are doing, like, you know, genetic testing, similar to as we are. But to, truth be told, a lot of those companies we would look to partner with because we're a technology platform. So we're not the genetics testing company. We're not the, the lab. We're right. We work with laboratories. We, we we basically empower all their data from a testing perspective and make it actionable for the producers to use to inform consumers, right? So we, we're kind of the glue between the two and we're built on a very sophisticated software tracking system for testing and empowering data in real time. So there's nobody out there in the market right now that we know of that giving real-time testing data visibly, actionably through, you know, to the consumers on site, um, let's say in, in like California, where you're able to literally scan a QR code on the side of the package and be able to render all the real-time testing data and the real-time testing results from your you know smartphone, right? And we nice. can do that's what we do. Um, so that that's the nice thing we are we ought to have, and we're not trying to you know overtake a, you know Ample Organics or or, or Metric or these seed to sale companies. Like we we work with them, like we, we we partner with them, and then we feed them testing data so that inside their system they're also tracking the same kind of testing information. Nice. And sorry if it seems like I was beating a dead horse there a little bit, but uh, I wanted to make sure that it was <laughs> crystal clear before we moved on, especially for a simple guy like me. Yeah, of course. Okay, so uh, next part, I uh, was doing some reading on you guys and I read a letter of intent and I'll just I'll just read the quote here straight up. It says, uh, Block Strain announces letter of intent with NXT Water. Collaboration will create first blockchain-backed hemp-derived fitness water. And uh, I think the water is called Akeso, A-K-E-S-O. Tell us about this and why is it important? So this this one really excites us, right? So a Kiso um, or a Keso, uh, we can call it either one. Doesn't really matter. This is uh, this is a company that we got to know in Southern California, based in Los Angeles, launching this. Um, you know, it's basically a, and it's hemp derived, but it's it's a, in essence CBD based water, right? This is uh, you know they've been around prior to the farm bill passing, but in preparation for the farm bill and the transition from a cannabinoid space in the U.S. But really, it's a functional fitness water for um, you know for your everyday user uh, in, you know, in the, in the fitness market. So as we're learning, CBD is an incredibly strong anti-inflammatory. Um, so when you're, when you're exercising and your body through trauma, 
it can work to offset a lot of that trauma and allow yourself to heal better. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, and this one's really exciting because the case was all part of like that. The fitness world in California, they are bottled uh, at one of the top bottling facilities for alkaline water in Los Angeles. They bring their CBD isolate from one of the top companies in the U.S. So they're all about high, really, really high quality product. Right, that's their their bar is. We want to provide the marketplace with the highest level of quality product. So what we looked at doing was saying, okay, look, we can come in and every point that you're doing testing along the way as a water company, right? So when you're getting the, the CBD isolate, when that's being tested, when that is be, the COA associated with that is then being provided to uh, you, know, you, the bottling company, and placed into the bottle, when the, the alkaline water has then got its own COA and that's being placed into the bottle as well and being packaged and sealed, every single bottle will have a QR code that will render the real-time testing results associated with that bottle that you're buying. It's first time that we're, we're seeing real-time uh, QA uh, available to consumers. So now when you walk in and literally scan the side of that bottle, you're going to be able to see real-time testing results associated with that exact bottle right? that you're, that you're buying. Okay. And then obviously there's the ability for us to inform customers. So it's really exciting for us. It's, you know, we're, we're not yet there. We've started the process uh, because the, the framework for uh, legalization on the CBD and the farm bill and things like that is, is the reason we're moved, taking that move. But the problem with CBD, even more than pure cannabis, has been, has been quality products, right? The source materials, I mean, you, in the U.S., you've got every company in the world selling CBD everything now, mm-hmm. right? Everything's got CBD on the side of it. And yet, where are they getting the CBD? Where it's being sourced from? What's the quality of it? Like, how many milligrams are really in there? Was it act, is that, that product actually inside the bottle? Like, like, all of those things become a huge problem. So it all comes down to the companies that are setting a higher bar for quality. We want to make sure we give actionable, you know, real, actual, visible results to the consumers. Nice. Well, yeah, I was, I was going to say, I, I can't speak for the U.S., although I've heard, and in Canada, it seems like there's a CBD everything these days. And um, in many cases, you just don't know where the CBD is being sourced, if it's hemp-derived. Um, so it, it makes sense. Essentially, what you're going to do in a partnership uh, with Akiso, or sorry, Akiso is the product, NXT Water is the company. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, so you're going to create a partnership with them to uh, give consumers assurances that the product that they're getting is accurate, is from the same source, is the right dose, is, is I guess, a, a perfect CBD product. Exactly. And, and for, for any producer of high-quality product, the best part about it is this, like you're already doing the testing, right? You're already, um, you're already, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're taking all the right steps, right? If you're a good actor in the business, then you're, you're making sure that your test results are accurate. You're making sure your QA is there. You're making sure that the alkaline, if it's water, it's alkaline water. If, if it's, uh, you know, organic food, it's, it's non GMO organic food, right? That, that the CBD is being put into. Mm-hmm. So you're already doing all this stuff, right? Uh, what we're trying to do is say, if you're doing all this stuff, then let's create real time visibility for the consumers because here's the problem. And I, I'll just be perfectly, I mean, this is, I was just in Los Angeles last week. Okay. You know, and I walk in, to a MedMen and beautiful facility. Um, you know, the, the, they really are, you know, there would love definitely a lot of controversy as a company right now, but you walk into the stores and they look like an Apple store. Like I've it's pretty, pretty impressive the way the layout is, right? So here I am, I walk up and I look on the shelf and I see a lineage of products and I have no idea 
who any of them are. And by the way, you know, in California, the marketing restrictions are more lax. So there's billboards all over the city. So I've seen some of these logos of all these different companies, but I don't really know which is which or which is really quality. I mean, I, that's the problem, right? So then I walk over and I pick up a pin or I pick up, you know, cartridge or I pick up a, you know, something to go, uh, you know, uh, uh, let's say something going to a PAX product. And now I'm holding the product, but I still don't have any real information on it. So right. yes, it's got a label on it that's printed for a you know, white label that kind of shows the base testing results, which gives me uh, zero surety that, that that's actually there because it was just printed on the side of it, right? Oh. So, um, okay, cool. So what you can do now through the use of our product is I can take my phone out, open the camera, pull it to the side of the package. There's a QR code through any smart device. It'll pull up real-time there is this product you're holding your hand. The batch associated with that product was actively tested. Here's the active cannabinoid profiles associated with each of them, right? Mm-hmm. So you know that this exact product, here's the exact profiles. And if I want to go that much deeper, I can literally pull the testing results directly from the labs right there from my phone. And I'll be able to see them while I'm holding the product in my hand. Nice. Right? That, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of information we, we believe consumers deserve in, in, a mar- in a market where you're newly getting educated. And where, quite honestly, like I love all the cool branding and packaging that's going on. But yeah. at the end of the day, I, I just want product that's going to make me feel a certain way. But yeah. That's really all I care about. Because otherwise, the rest of it's just really overwhelming. So that's what we provide down there. And, and obviously, in, in Canada, the you know the packaging limitations make it a little bit more tough to give us data when they're inside of a store. But we can give them the same kind of data real time from the online experience. Nice. And you can't, we can't give them the same certified, verified seal with all the testing data associated with it. You know, real time uh, when they're when they're doing an online purchase. And you know, and some of the packaging side of it, we can still you know certify the products associated to uh, inside of a dispensary uh, or inside of a a retail, you know, provincial retail facility. Uh, We just, right now we're limited a little bit on the packaging labels, um, but that's that's also today, right? The the evolution of the Canadian market is is still underway. Nice. Well, obviously this agreement is still uh, in earlier stages, but um, what is it about the company NXT Water that uh, appealed to you guys? Well, you know, really, it was, the, it was a pedigree. So the one, the, the, the actual water company itself is um, uh, bottled at the same facility as, as Essentia, which is one of the top alkaline water companies in the U.S. So we knew, okay, really, really high quality product. Uh, Stacey Griffith, who is uh, one of the founders of the company, uh, who is also like one of the founders of SoulCycle, um, she is uh, one of the major advocates for the, for the, for the business, uh, really believes in. So we knew we were dealing with really high quality people making high quality product. Okay. Um, and that's not necessarily, we, we need to be setting the bar for like, okay, are you a quality company or not a quality company? We want to work with everybody who's doing the best they can to create quality products. But when you're taking a foray into a new marketplace, especially a place like Los Angeles, you know, you really want to work with somebody who's trying to set the bar at a higher level mm-hmm. and get into the highest level of quality, you know, organic food chain stores and, you know, uh, really focusing on, on high level fitness and wellness um, was really what excited us about what uh, Kiso and NXT are up to. Nice. Well, when you talk vitamin water specifically in the last decade or two, that industry has just blown up. So I think the CBD infused water industry is going to be pretty big too. This is actually really exciting. What's the long-term vision for your company? You know, it's uh, so we we started the business here in Canada. Um, 
we're fast approaching uh, looking into global markets uh, right now without getting too far ahead of ourselves, right? We're, we're focusing on the needs of the, the licensed production market here in Canada right now, uh, but also, you know, knowing that the problems that are in California, the problems that are in Washington, that they're stemming directly from testing, right? Testing is becoming a problem um, in every single jurisdiction. And it's not necessarily the fault of the producers. It's not necessarily the fault of the labs, just kind of the, the way that the industry has evolved. Um, you know, people are, you know, are shopping around for labs that'll adjust their testing results. And that's not, that's not the kind of protocol we need to have in place when it comes to testing. You know, so we are all about looking at the, the players in the market that are, um, I guess you say good players and working with them to create a better bar and create better visibility. So that's really our, our overall long-term vision. And really, you know, and we're a, we're a play nice in the sandbox, interconnect with third-party systems, you know, so we can build together, we can build an ecosystem uh, of, of transparency, right? That's really what, what we're, what the whole basis of this is, is for us to kind of work together to create a better solution rather than trying to say, hey, we're going to dominate everybody else in the marketplace and own the entire industry. Like that's, that's a really wonderful thought process. You definitely, you know, want to focus on being able to serve yeah. the overall market, but you know, you need to be a part of a system rather than trying to try to consume it all. Otherwise you don't do all things well, right? If we focus on testing and powering testing data, focusing on that portion of the supply chain, for really focusing on the QA on the front end of the information, then we become a very important, consistent part of the uh, of the equation, rather than you know trying to overextend ourselves into every you know every possible facet of the industry. And you know, and that's you know, I think that's definitely the the, the, the challenge because we also want to make sure we're serving all of our, our customers and our clients to the best of our ability as a as a business. Yeah, well, obviously, you guys are hyper focused on the cannabis industry right now because it's it's taking off very quickly. But I, I would assume though that your technology could also be applied to a variety of other uh, industries as well. Anything. I mean, anything. We Anything we're testing as a part of the process, right? So we we built the system for this particular industry now because of the, the area of need and really because the area of integrity is so... Um, it's such it's such an issue, right? There's such an issue with uh, with QA. There's such an issue issue with testing in cannabis currently. Um, now you do see that in other industries, um, and we definitely are excited about the potential to be able to take this and put the switch in any any other you know facet of business. But you know, at the at the end of the day, the framework needs to be built for this industry today. And we're also very passionate about this industry. To be perfectly honest, we're you know users. Uh, I'm definitely much more of a CBD guy because I I'm really sensitive to THC, but I. I have, you know, sports injuries and arthritis and all kinds of other issues that can mm-hmm. cause problems. So I'm, I'm always looking for products that's going to make make me feel better. And I don't want to take pharmaceuticals, and I don't want to take, you know, any sort of like I don't even want to take ibuprofens and things like that. I just think they're really harsh on your liver, yeah. um, and your body's like a fine balance. And so we're huge into health and wellness, and we feel like cannabis is is the future for health and wellness in terms of you know connecting that with other naturopathic medicines. Mm-hmm. So um, you know we that. That's a it's, a it's a definitely a real passionary for us. Like that's the one thing we try to explain to people. Like we we didn't get into this by accident. We didn't get into this overnight. We're not into this for a stock deal. We're not in this for a tech deal. We're in this because we really love the business and we've been around it for a really long time. So and then we just want to you know want, want good product for our customers and hopefully uh, see this industry grow. Nice. Any final thoughts, insights, or comments that uh, you have that we haven't covered yet? Uh, you know, I think the, the biggest thing more than anything else, and, and obviously really appreciate the time today is that, you know, this industry, if somebody would, if somebody would tell me right now, like, what's the biggest lesson you've learned 
since being a part of this roller coaster. And again, we were there in the, in the rise and craziness of, of California in the early days of the boom. And then we were here when the boom happened. And we, we got here in 2015. There were, I think, less than 10 licensed producers. This was before the public markets opened up. And, you know, we're hearing you know, the rumblings that legalization in the U.S. is likely to happen in the next couple of years, which means the U.S. public markets will turn on as well, which means, gonna, you know, those companies are going to go through a whole other roller coaster, as well as the Canadian players are potentially going to be able to tap into their New York uh, capital markets. And that's great. Um, and that's so exciting. Uh, but we also need to allow people to be patient enough to understand that business takes time to grow in the most positive, in a positive direction, it takes time. You, you can't just expect a company to overnight be, you know, just because, you know, the stock says it's worth uh, $500 million, like, or a billion dollars, like right. allow that company to feed under it and allow it to get there. And I think that there are a number of companies, both from a licensed production perspective, as well as from ancillary companies that are doing really great work. And I think in five years, we're going to look back and be like, wow, that was only five years. First of all, which for any industry to be born and mature in five years is incredibly fast. But I think what will happen in five years, we'll look back and be like, wow, okay, we've seen the mistakes we made to players that have really made their way out of the foray. Um, and I think for investors, it's just important to have patience and understand that this is a long game. It, it's not a, you can't be reactive to the consistent, you know, you can't chase the red shiny ball. You've, you've got to, you've literally got to focus on where it is you see this industry going in five to 10 years and focus on that and not focus on necessarily the exact moving needle because it's bouncing way too much right now. So that would be the biggest thing I would provide, I would say to people who have been a part of this industry is like, especially the capital folks that invested in stocks, like what happened in 2016 was not realistic to, <laughs> right? Uh, and and take it from my guy who was around, you know, the dot-com and area in Austin when that place was booming. And I saw so many companies, like literally thousands of companies pop up that were like, we're going to be a dot-com. And you're like, well, why, what's, do you even know what a dot-com is? And, mm-hmm. you know, and then, and then, you know, it's, oh, I took this job and I got, you know, all this stock in this dot-com and, you know, these dot-com millionaires were, were born out of this craziness. And, and that's, it's a beautiful part about kind of business, right? It's always like that, but you know, this, the cool thing is as it evolves, you know, the, the playing field will settle itself. The you know, eBay's and the Amazon's of the cannabis space will find their way as well. Yeah. And then uh, we're going to see this thing mature in the next five, 10 years. And you know, that's the part that really excites us. That's a good perspective. So uh, speaking of though, Blockstrain is a public company. You guys are on the TSX venture. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep. What's your ticker? Ticker symbol is actually DNAX. So we, we like the DNA part of it. So DNAX is our, is our ticker symbol on the venture. Um, and we are finalizing our OTC stuff right now. So I know we're listed uh, US, but we'll actually, uh, we will officially have all of the, the, the facets of that in short order as well, which is, is uh, very exciting. Um, yeah, so uh, keep, keep an eye on us. You know, the capital markets are always a, a crazy wild ride, but we definitely feel like the exciting part for, for me as somebody who's, who's uh, not from the, the pure you know, p- public markets, mm-hmm. very rarely you get the opportunity to be a part of a technology company in its early days when it's uh, public. Like most of the time, in, you know, at least in the U.S., tech companies go VC and it's the VCs that make all the money because yeah. the VCs are there before the big tech adoption curve kicks in. 
right? Whereas in our market, where excites us is we're going to have a lot of investors, retail investors, individuals, and, and folks that have been with us from the beginning and ups, the downs, and the, the you know, beatings that we took last year. And because the market changed and, you know, blockchain became a dirty word, even though, you know, we have nothing to do with the cryptocurrency. And so those are those just the life cycle of a business. The cool part is for people that are able to be a part of it in the beginning, like they get to be a part of that rise uh, as it goes. And it's not just going in the pocket to some big venture capital fund in San Francisco. So that's the part that excites us. That's awesome. Um, how do we find out more about you or about Blockstrain online? Yeah, uh, the best is just just find us online. Our website's blockstrain.io. Uh, Io is kind of one of the new tech nomenclature. So blockstrain.io, or you can uh, Twitter handle us at blockstrain tech, uh, and uh, keep you know keep up to date on what's kind of going up going on real time in in our world. And uh, yeah, just keep keep it out for us. We've got all the other social channels. I don't know if we're super active on Instagram because we don't you know we're, we're a company that validates testing data, and there's not a whole lot of really beautiful pictures that we can make with that. <laughs> but uh, we we are active on Twitter. And, and Facebook, and, and uh, we do get video content from time to time as well uh, in terms of all the exciting things we have going on. And yeah, just keep really, I mean, I think for anybody listening, 2019 is going to be a big year for us. 2018 was the year of inception, right? We, we were created, we were um, built. Uh, it's the it's the hardest time to be an investor. It's the hardest time to be a part of a tech company because you can't get clients, you can't get traction, you can't do any of that until the product's done. Like how do you sell anything until you have a product? So, I mean, 2018 was the year to build it. 2019 is the year to refine it, the year to take it to market. So, um, that should be an exciting year for us ahead. And again, really appreciate the time. Love being a part of anyone and everyone in the, in our community. This is this this is a community, and they, they're really great people in this business. And uh, we're definitely really really uh, happy to have had the you know time to, to meet you and and uh, any any support we can provide on our side please let us know as well perfect robert galarza ceo and director of blockstrain thank you so much for your time man uh, it was very informative and uh, i really appreciate uh, everything you told us i appreciate it as well thanks michael Thanks once again for listening to the Canadian Cannabis Update podcast. If you have a story that you'd like to share about the cannabis space, I would love to hear from you. Hit me up at CanadianCannabisUpdate at gmail.com or my website, CannabisUpdate.ca. And if you want to find out more about Canadian Cannabis Update and all of the other podcasts in the Cannabis Media Collective, check us out on Twitter at CanMedCall, just like Cannabis Media Collective, but abbreviated. And you can also find out more about us on Facebook, Instagram, and every podcast-related streaming site in the known universe. Check us out, the Cannabis Media Collective. All right, hit it, Ember. The media contributors within the Cannabis Media Collective do our very best to remain as accurate as possible but take no responsibility for any inaccurate details or facts. If a story interests you, we're glad to have brought it to your attention, but please take the time to research the details for yourself.